Murphy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Every week, the staff of the Bureau meet to draft recommendations, file policy reports, and generally survive on the water from the pipes in the boiler room. One day, maybe, they'll escape from the subterranean hell that is the sub-sub-basement beneath City Hall. But until then, this city isn't going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Hello. What? How are you doing? Yeah, good. You sound, you sound, um, are you there? You sound a little distant. Yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit distant. Oh, no. It's a distant time that we're all living through right now. Were you you playing with the dimensional modulator again? Are you slightly (laughs) out of phase? I am. Oh, man. I'm vibrating at a different frequency than all the rest of y'all. What, what, what did I tell you about the modulator? Uh... You said, don't turn that knob. Right. Yeah. Did I, but did I say, like, mm, turn that knob? I wasn't listening. Okay, because sometimes... Because it's hard I, to hear you because I'm vibrating at true. a different frequency. Well, the problem is, like, when you turn the knob, you actually start vibrating, like, it, it ripples outward in a mm-hmm. general fashion. So you're probably were out of phase for several minutes beforehand. Yep. Okay. That's how I knew I was actually going to turn the knob, even as you were telling me not to do it. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew it, too. So yeah. so I don't even know why I'm why I'm talking about it. No. Okay. Because I, I've foreseen this already. Hello. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was just going to suggest that we have a meeting. Oh, right. Yeah. One of them. Okay. We'll do that. Uh, should we take attendance? Mm-hmm. Okay. So our, our first attendee uh, is um, a low, brambly bush atop the ridge. Heavy with red berries, its tough, waxy, silvery leaves beating back against the wind. Beating back against the wind. Is, do you see nope. anything? No? No, nope, not here. No? Okay. Sorry. Oh, because, uh, I mean, it seems like, I mean, it, I thought it was a rather sort of distinct image. Like mm-hmm. this, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought maybe I could summon it by, like, like addressing it, like, in such direct poetic language. I would, you know, I feel like it's here, and yet it's not saying present, so. Oh, okay. Um, well, if, okay, the, okay, so the bush isn't here. Uh, so who are you, then? I'm Paul Deshane. Oh, that's right. You know, I thought I recognized you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, oh, okay. I know that. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so, okay, I'll mark you down. I mean, you're not listed, but I'll mark you down as president. Thanks, oh, I you, appreciate you, it. You're going to be a write-in for this meeting, um, which is allowed in our bylaws. So that's mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, as our next attendee, two, two ladybugs competing for space on the stalk of a Russian thistle, climbing up and down, up and down. Again, no? nobody's raising no? their hand. Yeah. No two ladybugs. No two ladybugs. Um, no. You know, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to mark myself in then. Okay. And um, who are you again? I was hoping you could remind me because I, that's, I'm, I'm terrible oh, with names. Yeah, name tag says Aiden Morgan. All right. Let's look down. Oh yeah, that's right. And I have it on upside down. That's yeah. I knew I did that for a reason. Yeah, it's a good oh, thing okay. I can read things that are upside down. I know. Me too. <laughs> um, but I'm better at reading things right side up, which is why I have it on upside down. Right. Okay. All right. So we're here. Yep. Uh, 
Do we have quorum? We don't have quorum. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> sake. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, we try. Uh, okay, so we have uh, we do have some uh, guests tonight, though. We do for yeah some yeah. proven vector candidates. Uh, well, one's a candidate. One's a one's an actual vector, I believe. That's true. So uh, yes. <laughs> so we have uh, our our official uh, improvement vector is Councillor Andrew Stevens. Woo. Thank you for coming back to the sub-basement. This is the highlight of my week. Thank you very much for the invitation. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Let's right. talk about whatever we need to talk about. Okay. Right. And we're also joined tonight by Carla Harris. Hi. Hey, Carla. How should we, like, you're not a counselor. How should we describe you? Uh, I'm a community builder. Okay. Oh. And I actually met you on Twitter. I, yes. <laughs> That's where I saw YQRCC all the time. Oh, perfect. I'm very fascinated. Very nice. Awesome. Cool. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking uh, about a whole bunch of things tonight. Uh, renewables. Yeah. What's that? Renewables. 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 Uh, transit and accessibility tonight. Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah. But I thought where we should start tonight, uh, because this is the order that I have things on the agenda, and we do not diverge from the agenda, is Councillor Stevens, you had an event this week uh, about renewables. I did. Yeah, what was this thing? Well, first off, it was wonderful, uh, and it was at capacity. Uh, and this was really... Uh, what, was the, what was the name of the event again? Renew? Renew. Renewables? Renew Renewable, Renewable Regina. Renewable yes. Regina. Yeah. And it was hosted by the kind folks at The Cure on 11th Street. Um, and it was put together by folks with the Blue Dot Movement, uh, the David Suzuki Foundation, uh, kind of helped from afar. But it was local experts and policymakers who wanted to talk about the significance of building a renewable Regina and one in which we see solar, wind and thermal power overshadowing oil and gas as a marker of the city and the province and certainly overtaking coal as a form of powering the city. Right. Right. Uh, now it's funny because I, I looked at the uh, IPCC uh, recent uh, report on climate change and I didn't like read the whole thing but I looked at random words from it <laughs> and it seemed to me that everything was a-okay <laughs> and we could just keep on going as we were with oil and gas do, do, would you agree with that or would you say that I did not read this report quite as thoroughly as possible I think you might have missed a couple of words okay and now I don't have the title in front of me but I read it off at the event on on Tuesday and the title itself I think they did a wonderful thing is they wrote the whole book on the front cover of <laughs> of the report <laughs> and it ain't good it's basically a 12-year deadline for us to get uh, greenhouse gas emissions under control and things are going to get worse in the next 12 years and they're going to get incredibly terrible in the next 40 never mind what happens by 2100 and this isn't right. just environmental this talks about poverty uh, notions of sustainable economic development it's a bad scene if we don't take reality seriously mm -hmm. but we'll be okay if we stay in the sub basement right? oh this bunker is cool yeah. <laughs> okay i hope you have a few years of water down here and we'll be all right uh, yeah well there's a steady drip it's never stopped so i assume it will carry on <laughs> forever yes. uh this ties into a motion that you have coming forward uh, at the next council meeting. So I guess that's in two weeks-ish? That's right. Uh, and that motion is about transitioning uh, Regina to 100% renewables. Um, what 
Well, I guess I kind of get a sense of what inspired you to bring it forward. What makes you think you can do this at City Council? It seems outlandish, doesn't it? Um, it surely I'm does. still trying to wrap my head around it. But if we go back a few years when Councillor Joel Murray, John Fendura, and I, who have all uh, co-written this motion, we went to Vancouver for a Renewable Cities Conference. And what really blew us away was the fact that from... Brazil to Denmark, certainly the United States uh, and Canada, municipalities, uh, mega cities, uh, villages, places you couldn't find on the map are just taking this and going with it. And, mm. and they're showing us that you can build a renewable uh, and sustainable energy system and economy. And so we thought, why not? And in fact, cities are kind of taking the lead in certain countries that will remain unnamed south of us, where the White House has kind of been taken over by an unfavorable, an unsavory person who isn't really believing in climate change. And at the state level and regional level, again, not really taking this seriously. So cities have said, look, they've kind of abandoned that ship of politics. And if we're going to take this seriously, we need to do it ourselves. So mm -hmm. funny enough, Joel and John and I were hammering away at an emotion uh, as we were listening to speakers talk about their experiences in their respective parts of Canada and the world and thought, well, why can't we do that? Um, so something happened in 2017 there was a there was a terrible provincial budget we were talking about the sdc earlier that was axed uh but most importantly from the city perspective we were really in a financial bind when money was all of a sudden taken off the table so right. we put it on pause we brought it back because we'd kind of promised ourselves not to let it die what better time than the now and we push it forward. And it just happens to be a series of coincidences where we have uh, the IPCC report coming out, uh, a variety of important developments throughout October. Everything seems to be falling into place. So we think we can do that. And when we look at the technology and the economics and the social aspect, we can handle this. And the target is 2050, but by the end of 2019, what we're saying is we need to have some meaningful go goals, a strategy, and targets and timelines that we, we reach before that 2050 deadline. When you say that you want to see the city switch to 100% renewables, you're not, are you talking about uh, the city as a, as a corporation is switching to renewables, or will like every single house have to be renewable in the city? We're saying both. I think the best way to to say this is everything within what we define as the city of Regina, that city will produce its electricity from one source of renewable or another. And so there's all sorts of ways we might see that. Um, is every house going to be outfitted with a solar panel? We're not actually prescribing any of that. That is possible according to some, but yes, it's, it's the city infrastructure itself and the city as a whole reaching this ambitious target. Right. Yeah, I should mention that we are on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're talking with Councillor Andrew Stevens about uh, renewables and switching the city to renewables. Mm -hmm. Are you going to say something? Did I interrupt? No, 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 no. I just, uh, I, I don't, you seem to be on a roll. So I didn't want to. Keep going, Paul. That's right. Well, that you've brought this forward as a motion to council. Uh, we, do, we anticipate that there could be uh, not unanimity 
uh, in uh, as far as whether or not to pass this motion. There could be vigorous debate. There could be debate. And we thought that, you know, our role as the Improvement Bureau would be to improve your chances of getting this through. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would do a little bit of role play <laughs> okay. with you right now. <laughs> yeah. And I've put together uh, what I think are like three potential objections to uh, to to your motion. So I, I thought I would like read them out to you. Let's go. And uh, <laughs> then, then you can respond. Um, okay, so I got to get into character. Okay. Your Worship. I think we can all agree that the environment is an important concern. And I think we can also agree that we want to leave for our children and our children's children a green and healthy planet. But this motion concerns me. And it concerns me for three reasons. Firstly, I believe that in passing this motion, this council will be writing checks that the taxpayers of this city cannot be expected to pay. This city is already facing immense financial pressures, and it would be irresponsible to take on more at this time. And make no mistake, this is no symbolic motion before us. This motion anticipates significant expenditures, and we are already overextended. The second reason I am concerned by this motion is that advancing renewables is not a municipal responsibility. This city simply does not have the mandate, nor does it have the resources to contemplate such a significant shift in the way business is done. This is work for other levels of government, provincial and federal. Without these two better resource levels of government laying the foundation, switching 100% to renewables is simply too expensive and too risky. And finally, I am concerned by this motion because it smacks of social engineering. Perhaps climate change is an issue deserving of our attention, but it is a global problem best tackled through innovation and new technologies like electric cars and electric trucks. These will come from the (laughs) private sector, not from top-down initiatives by local governments. So, this motion concerns me. And as such, I would like to propose an amendment, Your Worship, (laughs) a friendly amendment, if the movers would accept it, to change item two that begins seek external funding and change that to table the recommendations and framework proposed in item one until such time as somebody solves this problem for us. <laughs> Which character from council was that? <laughs> I, it was an original character wait, wait. of my own devising. Wait, I, w- I, w- I want to do, I w- I do Michael Fugere then. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Point of order. <laughs> Anyways, here let's, you can if you, be, you need notes. Let's be respectful here. That's right. Through the chair. Well, I would say that this whole jurisdiction argument is a bit of a broken record, and we kind of either need to get rid of the record or the whole turntable itself. Uh, it's very easy to kind of kick things down the road. It's also easy to kick things up or to the side to other levels of government. I think the reality is that climate change is felt at the community level. Uh, Southern Saskatchewan really is an Im- important agricultural producer. Um, we're a regional hub, and I think it's critical that we show leadership. Given that you have Cowessis First Nation, you have communities in northern Saskatchewan, you have communities so small you cannot find them on the map that are powering 
civic facilities and a rink, a very Saskatchewan and Canadian institution, through wind. So we're catching up to so many small communities just in southern Saskatchewan. The community of Lumsden wants to be a hub for solar technology and power generation, and it's brokering a relationship with Sask Power. My question is, why is it that people always insist that Regina needs to lag and, fo- and then follow others when we could actually be taking the lead? This would be a first in Western Canada. Um, things are not going to solve themselves. And what I would do is, through the chair, I would cite a recent report by Economic Development Regina, and it's actually quite noteworthy for many reasons. In it, it canvases and surveys a handful of business leaders in our own city and has them imagine what 2050 will be like. Coincidentally, we also have a 2050-focused motion. And what's fascinating about those findings from the business community and the business community that many councillors like to reference is that energy, renewable energy production in our city will actually overtake mining and oil and gas as an industry we are known for in Saskatchewan. Actually, currently that might seem a bit outlandish. The business community has also said in this report that the municipality and municipal leadership, whether by words or by commitment uh, in, in policy and money, that this is one of the markers of success, is the fact that the municipality has shown leadership and we work together with the province, with the Crown Corporations, with residents, with community associations and local businesses to change the, the narrative in this province, which goes from we just need to wait for something to happen or things to become so unbearable we have no other choice, or we can get ahead of it. And I think people want us to show leadership, and I think that's what's been remarkable if I were to reference some of the responses we've seen from residents. The big criticism, this ain't fast enough. So I, I think you know the weight of, of evidence and possibility is on the motion side. Um, and I'm really in this mindset now that I'm I'm no longer thinking of certainly not the election cycle, um, which many people like to speak to when they talk about uh, seniors and taxes. I'm thinking about my kids, seven and five, and what does their world look like? And I don't want them looking back and say, Dad, why didn't you do anything when you had some marginal bit of power? And I want everybody on that council and everyone in government and opposition to say, wow, what what are the questions that are going to be asked of them in 2050? Are you going to feel shame or are you going to feel pride? And how is your name going to be recorded um, when the realities of climate change kind of bear the brunt of, or we bear the brunt of climate change? So that's kind of how I would tackle these kind of uh, very grandiose claims and responses. There ain't no way of tabling a problem like this. You can't push it down the road. Right. But um, what has the response been from the public? I mean, there's been a notice of motion out now for several weeks. Uh, have you have you been getting any pushback? I I personally have not, but it's not to say others haven't. Um, I, you know, there's a handful of other councillors and the mayor. They have their own phone lines and their own email addresses. I've been struck by how few people have said, "You guys are idiots." <laughs> so, and nobody's nobody's turned this into a parking-related question. So I am struck by it. Now that means people might not be paying attention. Um, we packed a restaurant to talk about renewables. The level of energy and excitement, and I think more, if we had a bigger venue, if we had more leaders in the community who are who are spearheading this, I think it would have been a bigger turnout. 
And frankly, you can in all seriousness or honesty say this isn't an issue. Yes, there's been some social media back and forth, but really none of those comments are really worth taking seriously because you'd never get it printed as an op-ed and it, it really doesn't get a handle on the seriousness and the reality that the city can do this and take this on with some uh, real commitment. Yeah, from the event, uh, from the Renew Saskatchewan event, um, did you get the sense that we have the expertise in the city, though, to um, to pull off a, a shift in the way we do business like this? Are you thinking generally about the city of Regina as a you know a corporate entity or across the community? Oh, actually, I was Ooh. thinking across the community, but I'd be curious to know if we have this, the expertise within the building as well. I'd say in the building and across the city, people working for the city of Regina, there is a level of expertise and ingenuity and commitment to change that sadly not enough people see. Mm. And I also feel that a lot of that doesn't come to the public surface when you see what goes on at council, and I think that's too bad. And I wouldn't know it if I didn't have a chance to work with these people. So I think we can cover a lot of bases with those who are currently on the payroll, for sure. Um, in the community, we have activists, scientists, engineers, industry leaders that I think provide a solid foundation. And I've been already overwhelmed with how many smart people there are that are willing to take this on. So I think we have a good foundation. Realistically, it's going to mean people in the city, um, new positions added. We need to look for funding to, to map this out, coordinate it. This isn't one position. This is many positions in the long term. We need to have benchmarks and targets, and we might need to recruit expertise. But I think we have the, the resources in this province, at least, to draw towards this kind of political commitment. I think we can do it, but this is a global issue, and anybody that says we have all the talent we need in our backyard is probably misguided. So we, like everybody else, will have to look abroad, but I think we got a lot of talent here. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, too, that uh, your motion foresees like a 2050 highlight. That seems really far ahead, considering what we know about climate change. Yeah, you're right, and I struggle with this because we need to do something sooner. Um, this this is, again, the template that we had worked with. Many other communities were working towards these targets. So you kind of work with what you know. But if in 2019, when a report comes back uh, in accordance with the motion, maybe it's time to, for them, administration, to think about a more ambitious target. And the other side that we're not discussing here are greenhouse gas emissions, right? We're talking about energy production, but we need to talk about how we design cities. We need to talk about the fact that we we need fewer cars on the road. I hate to say it, f fewer people in cars, more people on buses, active transportation models. But with fewer cars, what what do we do with all the parking? I don't know. <laughs> people might live in those spaces. There might be great social activities. Green space. That's right. Wow. So there's possibilities without the threat of climate change, without renewable energy, that we need to explore or just in terms of how we think about growing a better city. Mm -hmm. um, have you polled other councillors beyond yourself, uh, Murray and Findura? Like, do you have a sense of, uh, like, did you guys, like, you know, get a get an idea of what the vote might look like when this comes forward? You know what? This is a bit of uh, inside politics, but 
often people won't make up their minds, and rightfully so, until that debate. Okay. Uh, we do know, for instance, my council colleague, who I have a great deal of respect for, Michael O'Donnell, has already put a handful of uh, these type of motions forward, one about retrofitting the city with uh, renewable energy and solar specifically, uh, electric vehicles and so on. So they're, they're, we're pushing towards everyone speaking the good game. Right about this and are, are doing their own little bit when it comes to asking questions. So I, I think the, it'll be a positive outcome, but people might have their own perspective on what needs to change and it might actually improve the motion. Right. Mm -hmm. And what about the money issue? Like that's always going to come down to where are we going to find the cash? That's, that's always an issue. Look, I'll, I'll talk about a particular mega project in this city. That mega project that houses 30 some thousand people came together incredibly quickly and it's because there was a will and there was money and there was a, a way of financing it you can find money for things if you want to um, and there might be other money on the table to, to make it happen at different levels of, of government but what are the economic costs of doing nothing um, and do we want to be an exporter of a resource that maybe the rest of the world doesn't need anymore? And then we're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should put those you know, new energy uh, technologies to work here. It's too late. So mm -hmm. I think if you do a long-term cost analysis and benefit analysis, you're going to find that this is probably where you invest money with a particular rate of return, economic and social. Right. Okay. Well, I think thank you for that. Yeah. Time. Um, and you're going to stick around for the second half. I am looking forward to it. All right. Mm -hmm. We have to move on to innovative revenue tools. The next item on our agenda. Oh, I love those. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're so um, innovative. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they generate revenue. Right. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, tonight's innovative revenue tool. I've got one. Okay. Yeah. Is it like a screwdriver? No, no, no. it's not that. Okay, we've no, cleared that. No, it's to earn us some money. Oh, yeah, this all makes sense. Yeah. So you've heard of the stock market, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, usually the way people understand the stock market is that you uh, take some of your money and you invest it through the stock market. You buy some shares. You buy some. Uh, you buy a part of a company that's going to build something, mm -hmm. and then you get money back if you get you earn dividends or you can sell it if the company gets better and earn more money. Wow. Yeah. What or you can like buy like commodities like uh, wheat, and when the wheat when the wheat gets sold, you get some of the profit. You know, I just get inside information on like companies that are going to fail, and then like sort of short the stock and like make big on that. That, my friend, is really? this week's no way innovative revenue oh, so tool. Cool. Okay. Do go on. Well, we've been speaking tonight about renewables, and we've been speaking about the IPCC report and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the apocalyptic uh, civilization uh, threatening crisis that's facing us that we have to solve in the next 12 right. years. Yes. I say we, we bundle up some city money, money mm -hmm. and we, uh, we go short on civilization. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. And as things collapse, we will rake in the money. I love it. Yeah. The, the world's misery is our is our money. <laughs> well, <laughs> typically that's how you make money. Yeah, that's just true. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if that innovative revenue tool doesn't get us anywhere, uh, we have a few more here. Hi, I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know in the 1920s the General Motors Company opened an automobile plant in the city and began producing 150 cars a day? The GMC factory was abandoned during the Great Depression, then taken over by the military during World War II to develop munitions for the war. 
There have been several reports of a secret weapon being developed at the old GMC plant. But after the war, all evidence of what was built there has been wiped from history. Today, the GMC plant is home to Regina's community radio station, CJTR. It's a Regina fact. You'll find more Regina facts every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we are back from a Regina fact well, by I, the mighty Kenton DeYoung. Uh, well, I have, uh, as, as Kenton has a city of Regina fact, I have a Kenton DeYoung fact. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, Kenton DeYoung was not born with the name Kenton DeYoung. No. You lie. I, I do not. Rather, he took his name from the 1970s Brian De Palma-esque thriller, The Eyes of Kenton DeYoung. Oh, I saw that on right. a plane once. Exactly. And then he found out later it was actually The Eyes of Laura Mars, but he was too embarrassed <laughs> at that point to change his name. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't see it on a plane no. then. Well, you, you might have seen The Eyes of Laura Mars. Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones. No, no, oh, never saw okay. it. I was lying. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you were supporting my, my story, and I do appreciate that. I try to support all your delusions, Aiden. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Um, okay, so the next item on the agenda, very mm -hmm. quickly, is this week the uh, Economic Development Regina uh, released a video about how youthful our city is. It's so, it's so vibrant and youthful with the youth and the vibrancy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I thought, you know, there, I thought there were a few points that it raised that I thought we should bring up tonight. So I was kind of hoping that we could uh, we could play that video right now. Let's play that video for radio. Okay. I think there's a couple of things that really sets Regina apart and makes it attractive or competitive. And uh, first and foremost, in my opinion, is Regina's scale. So we're of a size that really means we can avoid some of the larger urban centers issues uh, such as cost of living so Regina is still relatively an affordable place to live uh, we also have a high quality of life so commute times travel times are still very reasonable uh, given Regina's size yeah so I mean I've always kind of felt that Regina is like the exact right size for a city it's got like all like the big city amenities but it still has that small town feel so I really like that and I don't feel like that's changed like we have grown bigger but we still kind of maintain that small town feel which is good because that's like one of the best things that I like about Regina um we have actually seen um a, like a pretty kind of shift in our demographic over the past five years um but we finally find that our, our sweet spot is really with um hiring those entry-level people a lot of times being grads from the University of Regina I, I think the younger population has created a uh, uh, better vibrancy within the community. Uh, there's a stronger demand amongst this population for uh, experiences, we think, and uh, entertainment, uh, restaurant experiences. So from a development perspective, that means we have to make sure that we have the right spaces for these uh, folks and these young people to gather. It seems that they have a stronger or more bold sense in the previous generation of entrepreneurialism and just maybe uh, stronger values towards community. But I've also, I think, seen it a bit in like just the amount of diversity that we have too. Um, you see, like a lot of you know new people coming to Canada, and they're choosing Regina, and then we're able to kind of take advantage of that from an employment perspective of that diversity, those ideas coming in, um, which creates more innovation, creates more opportunities, and then just kind of creates more opportunity for people to come to Regina as well. So I think it just becomes like a really positive cycle. 
All right, so that was Economic Development Regina's uh, video about how useful and vibrant Regina is. Yes. Andrew, Carla, did you enjoy it? Over the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. I probably shouldn't even get too started because I think a lot of those points were quite um, valuable goals for the city, <laughs> but I think they're not actually... Um, Realistic when you include as a part of the Regina community people with disabilities who cannot, uh, who need to take transit as opposed to our um, city, you know, being mm -hmm. able to drive around independently. Yeah. Um, a lot of ageism. So um, the children who need to rely on things like buses as well as people like myself with a disability do it all the time and elderly people who seniors who could really benefit from a quality system for something like that yeah. as well as newcomers especially it is all of these repeated um maybe challenges of what we need to develop things that work really nicely right. for the people who are fortunate enough to have a house and be able to afford or have the opportunity to do things like drive but i think we should have some bigger goals in regina yeah. Well, that's I think a, that's one a of, great response, by the way. That's yeah. so cute. <laughs> yeah. one, one of the things that I think is interesting, and uh, they, they talk in the video about how Regina is a compact, small city, and that that's one of its advantages. That was uh, Jason Carlson, former city planner, now land development manager for Dream Development, who are going to be responsible for, for Coopertown, a moose-jaw-sized tumor on the edge of the city. <laughs> oh, could I, please? Oh, I'm so excited. And you also mentioned diversity, and that was brought up in the video. Um, the There was not a whole lot of diversity. We didn't actually see the video. We just had an audio file. There wasn't any diversity in that video. It was all white folk mm -hmm. uh, from beginning to end and able-bodied yes. people from beginning to end yeah. in that video. What about the vibrant, youthful, indigenous population of Regina? Not no? there, no. Would they prefer not to think about that? Okay, very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you kind of tell, even without the video, that, this, that, that we were not going to see uh, a lot of non-white faces. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that struck me when I was listening, I mean, when they talk about the, the standard of living and the affordability of Regina, of which it is, frankly, neither, unless you're a very particular, in a very particular class. Um, I mean, even though the housing market is slumping, housing is still very expensive, rents are still very high. Uh, and frankly, I mean, this is my, my take, it's, and hot is the surface of the sun. Uh, if, you, if you move here and you want to live downtown at all, you discover very quickly that the north-south arteries of Winnipeg, Broad and Albert have horrible choke points, uh, so that even the mild growth that Regina has seen over the past decade has resulted in massive congestion, surprisingly long commutes, even from the east end or from the north end, uh, and and it's designed in such a way that it's actually, I think, made it a little bit hostile to building up the downtown properly for new residents and for developers to go, well, it's cheap as borscht to build Coopertowns instead of actually building infill. So anyway, that's that's my thing. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. And um, I do find it frustrating whenever we have white people talking about uh, the value of diversity in our city. Right. Mm -hmm. And... 
one of the drivers of the youthfulness of our city is the indigenous population, which mm -hmm. skews younger than the rest of Regina's population. Correct. And we never talk about indigenous people in terms of being vibrant or entrepreneurial. We, uh, they always seem to be absent from videos like this mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. So I find that all frustrating. Yeah. So anyways, thank you, Economic Development Regina, for that video. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe if maybe if they were interested in investing in in sort of you know, like indigenous youth, sure, that would be that would be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Or you know maybe if they just talk to us, we could improve their video for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carla. Hi. Carla Harris. I've got here that you are a consultant who specializes in strategic partnerships and relations focused on disability community projects in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. and that you're working a, on the Adapted Physical Activity Symposium. Yeah. And we met on Twitter. We did. Because you were, you were kind of miffed about <laughs> the, uh, the inaccessibility of the warehouse district, mm -hmm. uh, specifically transit accessibility. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Why, what's, what's the bee in your bonnet? Well, absolutely. And I, I love to bring this to the table because I think Regina is one of those places that just overlooks constantly the fact that 6.2 million Canadians about one in five of us currently uh, have a disability and a lot of those disabilities may be um, from you know all kinds of different uh, reasons and people may personally identify or may not um, the the statistics on every other sort of minority group that would also be included in this kind of experience. I'm speaking from disability background just because that's what I live, but there are so many other people that are in these same challenging um, battles with how to uh, <coughs> really have the opportunity to enjoy Regina as much as we could. Um, we have spending money. Um, people tend to think of uh, the disabled community as just uh, health cost, you know, people that are living mm -hmm. in hospitals or centers, but people like myself own houses. Um, we have had jobs and done many different things in our lives, and um, the disabled population controls about 55.4 disposable income annually right now, um, and that number grows when you consider, like, our families and our friends. If I want to go out and have a social evening, I've got to find a place in Regina that I can get to by transit and um, get back from mm -hmm. safely within the hours that transit operates, which are extremely minimal um, in this city. And that's, that's one really unfortunate thing that I think um, city council should be really looking at. Because right now we focus transit on as though it's just going to be used by the um, white collar guy. people, <laughs> all the business guys right. who are going off to their nine to five the jobs, business, business jobs, extra <laughs> yes, extra hours, and those you know generally are a lot of the people who mm -hmm. own a car and who don't mind paying for a little bit of parking. And some, yes, absolutely, some people take the bus, but I personally um, come from a background of music, for example. So I'm a musician, and I want to go to every concert that is at places like Conexus 
and there mm-hmm. is no bus that goes all the way to that facility. So I cannot, during the winter season, during the performing season, get to performances easily. Uh, you cannot walk because there's no real sidewalk yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be dropped off a little ways from it, but you don't feel safe, and you definitely not if you try to dress up professionally for right. any kind of conference. So there's all kinds of challenges that are just... If you're not aiming the bus system and your accessibility goals Mm -hmm. at the people who need that um, and using it as a part of their life, also getting them interacting with how they choose to spend their money, um, then you're not using it in the right way. You're not helping anyone by just having it run nicely on the business hours down to the downtown do and then you know so that I can't get to a social event. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. um, I, I think one of the responses to your objections would be, well, there's paratransit which takes you from door to door, but you are not in a wheelchair. Your disability is not. Uh, you're, you you don't get to take paratransit. I would love to talk about that. So eight percent <laughs> of people with disabilities have and use wheelchairs or mobile devices. The majority, vast, vast majority of us don't require that because disability, um, well, it's a term in my mind, in my dream, really, it's something that we can identify with as with the same fluidity of sexuality. Um, that if you want to, because I went through stages in my life where um, I realized, you know, I had actually gone through the first half of my life, my life not diagnosed. And when I was, um, I went through a period of naming myself by the illness. And so a thing like epilepsy um, seems really has a lot of stigma, a lot of sort of, oh, it's not happening all the time. So if I was to try and, for example, fill out the forms for requiring paratransit or requiring anything like the Disability Tax Credit of Canada, I do not qualify because I don't have enough constant hours unless I was constantly seizing, I would not qualify as a disabled person. So you have to, like, be disabled? Uh, Yeah, it's it's basically 90% of the time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, that's relevant for things like um, visual impairment or, or, you know, um, all kinds of... Um, chronic illness mm-hmm. and, th- and and things that people sometimes prefer not to call disability. They feel, and it's all about what you tone in with. You know, if you like to feel that that is just something that you keep to yourself and your family, fine. That is absolutely welcome. But for people like me who've gone through sort of these stages of person-first language and then realizing, wait a minute, I don't have to tell people that I'm a person. Who else says, hi, I'm a person <laughs> with um, this background. I'm a person from here. So I can, I feel comfortable identifying as a disabled person, as, as uh, a disabled, dedicated worker, uh, community worker. I don't know. I have goals. I have dreams. <laughs> uh, I'm a poet. <laughs> but uh, we, we all kind of have to really keep those goals in mind and a lot of times people just kind of have these visual assumptions of oh you know disability means the people that are stuck in a home for example that need constant care and those are you know that's a certain percentage as well but like 
there's a vast majority of Canadians who have disabilities, who are unemployed, and do not need to be so. They would be very good employers if um, we would, you know, there's close to half a million right now, ready, hmm. job-ready Canadians who are either unemployed, who have post-secondary education, who are just not able to find that opportunity. Um, how we met, actually, hmm. on Twitter was when we were talking about a few different issues through, of course, uh, City Council. And um, one of the things that we discussed was um, the social inclusion department. Uh, I love the goals of having the social inclusion department. Now, this is a department department within within, the city of Regina? Yes, within the city of Regina. Focus on ways to make sure your programming is like accessible and including the engagement of newcomers and uh, like all diverse people and and you know getting past age groups and getting you know uh, sexual you know, people of different sexuality um, indigenous people like all everybody in the community involved the catch is that one of the big challenges there is if we can't have a very affordable and accessible um, way of getting around the city without having to own vehicles and keep taking care of them and parking them um, that's another huge right. problem and you were, you were saying that, a pos- that to get a position within that department mm-hmm. you have to be able to drive a car yes mm-hmm. actually to apply for a position with the entire city of Regina you right. have to click the box on their website when you send in your resume that says that you have a class 5 driver's license so that like excludes many people with disabilities newcomers Diverse people, like there are so many of those things that the Department of Social Inclusion claims to intend that it's their goal, but their leadership, in order to really do its job well, the City Council's goal should be to have that leadership provided by someone who maybe comes from a different background. They may not have that MBA education but having been perhaps an elder or a real community leader in the with Regina Open Door or mm-hmm. newcomers or with you know uh, disability groups we have some real leaders in this town who, mm-hmm. who head fascinating programs that bring those people together um, so you know with a time right now when seniors are a fast-growing age group but disability increases with age. That's, you know, by the time, right before Canadians, um, we, well, when we reach our seniors' um, age, it's about one in three Canadians that will have a disability by then. Because ailments, they, they come with right. age, right? Yeah. And it's a common thing. So we need to be preparing ourselves for having an active environment to kind of get everybody involved and have everybody involved in that planning because yeah. if those voices are not in the door and, and giving you those ideas you're not gonna be able to read the minds I lived the first half of my life not aware of my disability and I just went around happy going and thinking I could do absolutely everything and the realization that there was going to be some change was a long process for me but now I find myself um, like I, I have yet, I can't tell you how many 
jobs I have applied for in this province at many different crown corporations that also ask if you have your driver's license on a click box on their in, in, intake sheets on the websites um, uh, where I've gotten almost no interviews here. And mm-hmm. I, I spent way too many years in school finishing that MBA <laughs> thinking I was going to, you know, bring my goals of social inclusion social inclusion and um the arts because i think the right. arts is something that really helps with um, mental health helps with community engagement helps people meet each other and and build a beautiful community so yeah, yeah that's that's kind of like was always my goal and i never thought that by acquiring disability I would start to be limited out from what is the decision planners and and the mm. people that really strategize on doing that. So that's yeah. why I'm kind of doing projects on my own right now. Yeah, which is not ideal in Canada's <laughs> system of uh, who qualifies for healthcare. But that'll be a whole other episode. You're in the yeah. gig economy. Yes, yes. Nightmare. And I should mention that we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Oh. On 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, talking with Carla Harris about accessibility issues in the Queen City. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we go on, I know uh, I'm really enjoying uh, uh, Carla's Carla's talking, uh, but there is something we do have to uh, address. Oh, shoot. What? And that is that uh, Regina Community Radio is hosting a Chase the Ace every Sunday night at the Revival Music Room. But it's not Chase the Ace, it's Chase the Bass. What? what does any of that mean? That means nothing. Do I, get, do I get to sing? <laughs> um, the bass? You, you can, no, different, can you, can different you kind of bass. Can you hit us with a bass line? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> There's only one bass line, and it's the bass line from Level Terrace Apart. That's that's <laughs> rather Um Anyway, it's a, it's a classic Chase the Ace lottery with a twist of being able to win both a cash jackpot and a sweet bass guitar. Wow. So every Sunday, sorry, I, I, I actually, I, we have to say this. Uh, every Sunday, ticket sales begin at 7 p.m., $5 a ticket, draw at 9.15 p.m. Uh, at the Revival Music Room, 2224 Dudney. If your ticket is drawn, you win a portion of the pot right away and a chance to pick a card from the deck. If you pick the Ace of Spades, the event is over. You win the whole jackpot and the bass guitar. If you choose any other card, that card's removed from the deck. Pot continues to grow. So come out Sunday night to the Revival Music Room on Dudney. Chase the bass. Uh, current, ooh, current jackpot is at 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So there's your chance. All right. Sorry. Let's go um, a couple of things that you highlighted uh, that I think are worth talking about in, in terms of uh, um, transit mm-hmm. is uh, you talked about the the warehouse district, especially when we were conversing yeah. on Twitter, uh, and it's inaccessibility on transit. There is no bus that runs the length of that. It, it places just all nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Connexus Art Center, how inaccessible that is by bus. Uh, I, I would add like some of the um, the shopping districts on the fringe, mm-hmm. uh, like Grasslands, where the bus drops you off on the opposite side of a massive parking lot that you have to cross to get to the shopping that you've actually gone there for. Which, if you're in, if if you have mobility issues, can be a problem. It, it's interesting that the the transit problem that you're you're facing is that we have a transit system that will get us to downtown 
no problems, Bob. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do something other than shop downtown or, you know, go to, like, another house, you're kind of effed. Yes. Yeah. And the catch is that um, very little is downtown anymore. I mean, there's been a revamp of, of, you know, pubs and bars and stuff, and that's really nice, actually. Um, but the it's kind of like a weekday area of town, you know, with so many of the government buildings and stuff. So a lot of people who are trying to get to specific things, like myself trying to get to a concert somewhere, um, you just, it's a matter of luck, whether it's an accessible venue for me. And uh, for something like this, actually, um, it is about a 10-minute, 8 to 10-minute drive from my home, but it is a, like, 48-minute bus because of the wait downtown between buses. And that's the other catch, is with the wait time, when it switches in the evenings to hourly, that makes it impossible for a person to really honestly use in the weather. Um, once we yeah. get to winter time, yeah, exactly. because sometimes there will be snow troubles that'll slow everything down, and it'll mean you legitimately cannot make it from one to the next for your transfer, or you miss it or whatever, and you're waiting an hour for the next yeah. bus. Well, we're just about out of time here. Okay. Um, but I, I do have to say, you know, if only we had a city councillor here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been taking notes. I'm glad. And she's talking about the various issues that I'm really passionate about. So this is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think they really overlap nicely with the Go Green goal. Yeah. Like, it, it yeah. should be such a beautiful goal if we could have this city really thriving on a, a bus that is reliable and um, we wouldn't have to worry about cars that freeze in the winter. We could just get on the buses but you can't actually even get on a bus in some of the rural areas or sorry, urban areas because there's not, it's not sidewalk right on the edge, right? right? There's a grass patch and so anyone who does have any sort of chronic pain or accessibility issues Mm -hmm. or something or just, you know, wants to wear a suit and doesn't want to walk straight through a snow bank or a mud hole um it's a huge problem and we're really lacking in that exactly so So, uh, well i looked at the uh my complicated rubric Mm -hmm. uh and uh, you spilled coffee on it again uh, (laughs) all over it uh however uh from the numbers i wrote down before i spilled the coffee i think they they looked very promising (laughs) so you do qualify as an improvement vector and you get your very own certificate of improvement (gasps) You have factor. no idea. I get to put this on my wall in yes. my office. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've never received one of those. And you <laughs> oh, introduced me as a vector. I oh. love that you... Do you know that I was named after my great-uncle Carl? No. He has my name <laughs> as Carl and then A. Harris. And I made, I, made sure to mis- I made sure to misspell Harris as yes, well. Yes, very so nicely. Thank you. I, I, I'm right. impressed. Councillor oh. Stevens never got a certificate. I am, I am, I am embarrassed. I'm thought, a lesser I vector. thought you had. I guess so. Yeah. Well, I'll, okay. You, Maybe you're still being do, tested. Yes, <laughs> perhaps back so. on the show. Yeah. You're, you're held to a very high standard as a councillor. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I think we're probably coming up to the to the end of our of our time here. Yeah, we should probably call for an adjournment. All right, so I, I make a motion to adjourn. I second that motion. Well, motion carried and meeting adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Our guests tonight have been Carla Harris and Councillor Andrew Stevens. Music by Guidewire, a.k.a. Ryan Hill. Your host, Paul Shen, Aidan Morgan. You can find Queen City Improvement Bureau on Twitter at Queen City IB at our website, Queen cityib.com on facebook and of course on cgtr.ca slash podcasts uh we broadcast from 7 to 8 live thursday evenings and rebroadcast monday mornings 9 to 10 a.m so if you're driving in late to work you can listen to us then uh coming up next we've got maddie v with an record cabaret followed by the cockpit and then a full-on night of music all right that's it keep on improving Regina.